Hi, this is Joseph Arthur. Thanks for checking out Come to Where I'm From. Please support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash come to where I'm from. We are an independent podcast, and any contributions you can make are greatly appreciated. Did you just go run? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I ran to um, where you can see that statue, huh? How far did you go? I don't know. Um, I don't know how far it was, but it was a fairly long way to where you can see the statue. Which statue? The Statue of Liberty. Liberty. So. Oh, okay. Went to the water. Red Hook. Almost. Uh, went to the water. Cross. Cross the Brooklyn Bridge. Who is it? Uh huh. The bridge just here. Yeah. Williamsburg yeah. Bridge. Williamsburg Bridge, and then back down to the water. Okay. And turn right and went sort of as far as I could go that way. Yeah. And then I think it was... And you could see the statue across the water. That's like Red Hook area. Is it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I don't know New York very well. Way, well, I guess you could see the statue before Red Hook, to be honest. Okay. Like Dumbo. Yeah, I don't know. I used to live over there. I went under a couple of bridges, went under a bridge with... There was basketball courts like under the bridge and... Basketball courts on the bridge, okay. I went running today too. Did you? How'd you go? Yeah, it did pretty good. I'm doing this 100 miles in September. Mm -hmm. I did it it last month. 100 miles? 100 miles. Wow, fuck, that's a long way. Yeah, I mean in one month. Oh, okay. Some people do that. I thought you meant in one go. No, hell no. No. Like an ultra marathon. My brother did that. Did like 100 Ks, I think it was. Yeah. In In one, one go? In one go, yeah. Yeah, that's that's wild. Mm. I think the most I've ever gone in one go is like 13 miles or something like that. Right. Yeah, that's mean, a long way. I, yeah, kind of a long way. Yeah. I've done. T- I did 10 this month once. Yep. You know. Yeah. Because my I always today. I always count in k's. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so I don't know. Two k's is one mile. No. 1.6. Put the mic up closer to you. 1.6 k's you is is one mile. So, I'm trying to figure, I was trying to figure out before how far I went today, but I don't know. Well, you don't have... I think it was about 15 k's, maybe. Oh, so it's far. I, th- I reckon. It must, how long it did must you have go? been, because I, I was running for... Over an hour. Easy. Hour and a half, two hours. That's amazing. That's great. How often do you do that? Um, I used to do... I used to do sometimes like 30 k's a day on tour. So a marathon, basically. (laughs) I didn't know I was until I realized one day someone tracked it or somehow someone worked out how far I was going. I was going a long way. Um, But I stopped doing that because I I had a few back surgeries. I had a surgery. So um, I just started uh, not doing so much repetitive stuff but I, I write a lot of music when I run so you write music when you run yeah so I used to just smoke a spliff and then just run and yeah. just write music and you um, mean just c- nothing in your no headphones just no run. I just run and I write lyrics and and write music and you remember them yeah put them I go your... them over and over in my head oh really and then when I get back I, I write them down interesting yeah or you know because 
I run in the rhythm of what I'm working on. Yeah. Sort of thing. So I find it's a good way to write. That's amazing. Yeah. And no headphones. Nothing. No. No. I need to start doing that. Yeah. I'm too dependent on the headphones. Yeah, they're distracting. Yeah, I sometimes... It's also a good way to get hit by a bus. Well, I, yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm cool with that because I'm on the East River. So it's like, but... You're probably I, you're probably pretty good in the city. I'm fucking hopeless because I'm, I'm not good. used to traffic. Yeah. I grew up in the bush, so... Right. I, if, I, if, I, if I'm not super aware of what's coming, I'll, I'll get hit. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Well, I, I put a mantra on a lot of times. Right. So that'll take me into a meditation place. That'd be beautiful. That's nice, uh, but I think it's even more badass if you just go without headphones. Yeah, yeah. Do you leave your phone behind, or do you? Yeah, take, no, I don't take anything. You don't yeah. take anything. No, nothing. See, that's badass. Is it? Well, I'm still, I'm still kind of like dependent on. I'm aware that I'm still dependent on this thing when I'm going out and doing. I still yeah. feel like a badass doing something. Yeah. Other than just like laying around being depressed. I fucking hate my, the phone, man. I do too. Anytime I can chuck that thing away, I do. Yeah. I can't stand it. I'm going to start doing that. Yeah. Yeah. What else do you do to keep yourself together <laughs> on tour? Like, like, I would assume it's um, like a ritual. Like for- yeah. I mean, running was always um, something I guess I I started doing because... When I started touring, playing music, I, I sort of went from um, uh, a fairly, um, uh, what do you call it, isolated, lonely, loner kind of existence. Like I grew up spending a fair bit of time on my own. Um, and I grew up on the coast um, in a tiny town. <clears throat> and, and then I went into this mode of... Um, uh, people and performing and shows and uh, it took me a while to adjust and I found that running was a good way f- that I could you know where I would usually maybe surf or whatever when I was a kid mm-hmm. it was a similar kind of thing where I could get away mm-hmm. from people but I could still do that in the city like I used to like to surfing for me was a, a, ch- a chance to like just get away from everyone when I was a kid mm-hmm. and be in the water and sort of step off the earth almost sort of vibe and I felt like running sort of gave me that that um, similar connection that similar connection you know and I, and it, it was a healthier option you know because I, I think at first when I first started touring I used to smoke a lot of weed and that's how I kind of dealt with people and that right. was a bit of a trap because I I got I became pretty dependent on it yeah. so I started to exercise more and then I had a few surgeries in my 30s <clears throat> um, two back surgeries and and uh, my wife who I've been with for the last five years she 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 was a, a dancer and a trainer and fitness a personal trainer and a yoga teacher and she helped me sort of understand balanced exercise as opposed to just um, doing one repetitive movement yeah. so these days on tour I, I just try and keep everything moving you know how about yoga yeah I did yoga too yeah, yeah I love yoga so a bit of everything yeah I'm uh, super into that yeah I started yeah. I boxed too so I started doing yeah. I hurt my hand yeah and I was like so addicted to exercise that's what got me into yoga then I, when I was injured then I started doing yoga and I got that yeah, swept right. 
I just love that. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> I'd, yeah, I'd like to do boxing. I'd like to try that. It's fun. Yeah. It's definitely another... It's good because it engages your brain in a similar way to yeah. learning guitar. Yeah. I mean, it's they call it the sweet science, and it's like... Yeah. It's so technical and involved. Yeah. I mean, like, you could go very far with it without ever sparring or even like coming close to becoming injured or anything like that and yeah. and I find like people in boxing gyms tend to be like some of the sweetest softest people yeah, yeah. you know whereas like with yoga studios sometimes it's like yeah the opposite it's like <laughs> it's yeah. role reversal yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. I, I remember I went to a friend of mine took me to boxing training and I did it for like three weeks yeah. when I was home once and it was hard. It was the hardest thing I've ever done. It's real hard. Yeah, it was cool. I really yeah. liked it, but I, um, yeah, I just, I don't know. I wasn't in that town very long. Yeah, I remember the first time I went to boxing, the, the, my trainer was like, gave me a jump rope and said, okay, do this for one round. After like a minute of jumping the rope, I was like, you're, you're joking. Just keep doing it. Like, it was like so hard. Mm. You know, now I can do it. But like, you know, the, the first time it's. Pretty, yeah pretty wild yeah. but uh do you still smoke weed Nah, not really not quit not did much. it give you the fear here and there i do but not you know compared to no 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 i just got sick of it i just yeah. i um ended up on all these opiate um pills because um, of surgery because yeah i ended up like my basically my left leg gave way and then i <clears throat> i was in the middle of a tour with a big um band that I, I had out on the road um and uh i ended up cancelling a bunch of shows um and having to go home and have this sort of emergency surgery and leading up to that i was on all these pills that they gave me for pain because i was in a, a ton a lot of pain mm -hmm. and um and i didn't smoke then because i didn't need to because i was high on those pills all the mm -hmm. time and i didn't drink because it, they'd it'd make me vomit, and so, um, in a way, they kind of cleaned me up. Because I remember when I got off them, it was like getting off heroin or something. Those things were intense. Mm -hmm. And um, after I had my surgery, um, so I remember I just didn't want anything in my body anymore. I didn't want any. I just went through this real um, mode of just wanting to be pure and and clear. You know, mm -hmm. I felt like I had this cloudy brain from all those pills for so long. Yeah. And, I f and so, in a way, it was kind of cool how it did that, you know, gave me that perspective. And, you know, it's always just checking in. We tend to be greedy humans, you know. We, yeah. we, we tend to latch on to things and then have too much. So I'm, I, I try and be just, yeah, yeah. I try and be just uh, a bit more balanced. These the days. spirit can't talk to you anymore when you're full of drugs no, and I, I find no. that's when like that's the worst thing is yeah. I lose connection to the spirit I've heard uh, you talk about like uh, you know connection with spirit and stuff like yeah. that yeah so did you find that when you were on the opiates like yeah it like, it's a blur yeah um you know I was still the pain was kind of cool because I was <clears throat> um I was leading a band that was um a collection of people that were um uh, different uh, were from different tribes around Australia, Papua New Guinea, um, South Africa, um, and there was a lot of um, there was a lot of spirit around. Uh, there was a lot of we were um, 
Sorry, I can't concentrate with that I know, sound. The music is overwhelming. Like, yeah, it's hectic. Just for people, um, like the music just turned up. To we're it. at the venue Xavier's playing at. Yeah. And they're sound checking something. Like, but it's yeah. like the loudest I've ever yeah. heard this backstage. Uh, it's all of a crazy. Sudden. The it's bass. like the whole room Floor is shaking. shaking so. <laughs> it's one of those Murphy's laws. Yeah, so I got talking and then I started thinking about that. Yeah. Um, all right, I'll try and refocus. No, yeah, I was leading a band that was um, that was a collection of different people, different tribes, people from different different areas. So, um, spiritually, it was hectic. It was a big bowl of of um, a lot of ancestors. Um, a lot of old people with us, a lot of pain. Um, um, we were bringing a lot of stories to the table and sharing them. And I felt like the pain when I was <clears throat> that I was physically going through when I was um, leading that band was a representation of the struggle of everyone, you know, that that's kind of was amazing. part of it. So in a way, that's how I channeled it. When, yeah. I, when I was singing those songs and there was a lot of tears in those shows in between band members in the crowd in you know everywhere it was was quite heavy um and it was a beautiful project and um so this pain that I had was kind of you know that's how I understood it it was part of the if carrying the, the struggle of of what we were singing about so the pills dulled it a little bit, but I still had all this pain when I sang. Sometimes I'd like collapse it. I was, I was like on standing on stage. I was on crutches when I wasn't on stage. Um, that's what an artist does. That is in an, that's like a great rep, because uh, artists are alchemists and, and yeah. to redeem something like a crushing physical pain and turn it into a blessing that's yeah. like speaks kind of highly of your character thanks man (laughs) you know yeah but that is what artists do yeah yeah i guess so i mean that's what i did um i didn't really have a well i had a choice but i was really respectful of that project and in the end we did we did um we did cancel some of it in the end because i i I got to the end of the road. I had to go to have surgery, but um, I didn't want to. I was really, really respectful of that project because it was there was some the the, some, the players in that band wouldn't always be able to go out and tour. Like it was pretty unique, so it was it was cool. In what way did the pain represent what was going on with the show? Well, you know, we we basically. Uh, I guess the common thread between everyone was oppression, you know. Okay. Of, uh, you know, and people come from different stories. So the bass player, he came from apartheid, um, South Africa. All the indigenous members of, from Australia all have different stories of oppression. Um, Papua New Guinea, same story. Um, so yeah, the 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 people involved. Um, we we kind of all brought. And the songs that I wrote for the project was to, to basically, um, to bring through the spirit of our old people, um, as a collective, um, uh, through music and, um, 
everyone had a story of oppression. Mm. You know, everyone came from a rough past. Yeah. So it was kind of like that. Interesting. So you're very tuned into your ancestor, like, and I heard you talk speak about um, your grandmother, like, or living within you, or an old woman that yeah. informs your music inside. Yeah, I have. Uh, I have a. I have an understanding that I've always had an old woman with me mm-hmm. since I was a kid, um, and I don't see her or anything. Right. I just feel her. Like I just have this understanding um, of of this old woman spirit with me. I don't. I don't know who that is. Um, as I've got older, I wonder, and I feel like it might be my great grandmother or my grandmother mm-hmm. on my father's side. But it may not, I don't know. So my history is on my mother's side, my mum's Irish Dutch. Her, mm. her, grand, her father came from Holland to Australia in 51. And on my father's side, it's quite lost family story, but <clears throat> Irish, Scottish convicts um, mixed with Aboriginal people. And the Aboriginal side um, is the one that, um, is really hard to trace. So my grandmother, my uh, dad's mum, she was raised by the father's family um, and the, her mother disappeared. So my great-grandmother was just disappeared into thin air and I've tried to find her, but um, no one knows. There's no, there's no record of her death or anything in the country. Mm-hmm. Um, so... I mean, it's fairly typical for Aboriginal people, you know, that they that um, records weren't kept and different names were given and stuff. But um, I've always felt like um, she's around and she's definitely involved in my music. Um, Sometimes my music is a personal reflection of what's going on within me. Like, it's fairly clear when, like, my music is in, like, an emotional part of myself. But there's oftentimes where it's not me. It's pretty clear. It just comes from that space. You're channeling. Yeah, and uh, I don't know, you know, the fact that we haven't found a record of her death, you know, I feel like that spirit can't rest, you know, she's, I don't know what, you know, maybe she just can't rest yet and Mm. she's got plenty to say. Um, So I've had this like emotional experience all my life where I was always connected to my indigenous side, which was never talked about, never celebrated in my father's family. He didn't, he didn't want to know about it. Why? He was, I just, all the shame and bitterness and um you know he, he came from a fairly rough family and he ended up with my mum who, who came from like you know a white um more privileged yeah catholic just not privileged but you know together right <laughs> you know like good-hearted um safe kind less of complicated family maybe. less way less complicated yeah not wealthy or anything but you know just um, whereas, yeah, whereas dad's family was a mess. Right. So he used to say to us, my family starts with me. 
And then he just kind of like lived through mum's family. Interesting. And then, uh, yeah, and then, but as the more I've looked into it, it's pretty fascinating. Like, it's pretty hard to track a lot of a lot of that story. But I've always just had this, yeah, this 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 thing with my, you know, ever since I was little, and and it's emotional too. You know, I get real upset and I get really moved by by it all by the by the oppression of um, our Aboriginal people back home in Australia. Um, um, and the emptiness in our family. You know, there's a lot of um, things that um, I'm really passionate about and seems to be what I sing about, you know. Mm-hmm. I don't even really choose to. It's just... This is what I do. I sing about that. It's interesting know. that your dad kind of tried to sort of like steer you clear of it, and yet it sort of like found you and came yeah. through you with somewhat of a vengeance. Yeah, dad used to get pissed, you know, when when I'd like talk about his family. You know, he'd ring me up and he'd go, "What the fuck are you talking about me for?" <laughs> and I'd be like, "Oh, hey, dad, <laughs> what?" <laughs> Like, oh, I heard this. You're fucking talking and going on about me and my family. Is, and I'd be like, it's my family too, man. Right. <laughs> you know, like, but he, he, yeah, he was, he was pretty upset there. Did you resolve it with him? Or yeah, is yeah. It still a thing. No, he's pretty good, Dad. These days, you know, he's, a, he's an interesting man. Like he's, he came from a, um, a tough sort of background, and he had his, he had his, uh. He had a journey, but he's um, he's good now. He's he's uh, yeah, he's in a pretty good space. That's yeah. cool. Yeah, and you're with your mom too. Yeah, mom's a rock. Mom's solid. She's solid as. It, yeah, my old man was pretty difficult. Not many women probably would have stayed with him. Right, but they yeah. stayed together. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. And now she's a boss. Yeah. Do you have any so, siblings? <laughs> now you know he's softened. Yeah. So she says, dig a hole, he goes and digs it. Right. So it's kind of perfect. But no, he's, a, he, you know, he's staunch dad. He's a loyal, he's a loyal guy. And he now, you know, recognizes that mum stood with him and he really, you know, loves her for that. Um, yeah, I've got six brothers. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I actually remember hearing yeah. you say that yeah. in another interview. And you're the second oldest. Is that right? Second oldest. Yeah. Second oldest. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. So is the family super proud of what you're doing? Or? Yeah, yeah. Like all my brothers are really successful. Oh, yeah. Everyone's doing really good at what they do. Like I think, yeah, well, we came from a pretty independent background. My mom's really intelligent. My dad's really tough. And, and we were made to like be stand on our own two feet sort of thing. Yeah. You know, and my dad was a real sort of hard worker too. So um, they made good kids, mom and dad you know and they and everyone's doing doing good good stuff and everyone's um you don't want to see each other a lot but yeah everyone i think is proud of each other for what everyone's doing you know that's cool yeah you say so you grew up in the bush is that what you said yeah i grew up in the scrub in the back of um what does that mean or what is that like oh just like in the in the i don't know in the bush like trees trees yeah, <laughs> yeah. just like nature yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah. Is that where they still live? Or? 
your, your, your uh, yeah, parents? they they no, they moved from that that block that I'm talking about. Like that was out in the sticks. Um, and they live in that same area, but uh, not as far out. Right. Yeah. So how did you get started with music? Is there any other musician in your family? Uh, my mum's dad, he, I feel like in a way he start, he, he was a big influence on me because, so he was a Dutch guy. He was um, very different to my dad. He was a very mellow, quiet, creative guy. Mm-hmm. And I gravitated to him, so I used to spend a lot of time towards him with him as a kid. He had the artist spirit, yeah, of. and he uh made instruments um so he taught me to use wood and stuff when I was a kid. I used to work with him in his workshop. He never said anything, but i he used to just i used to watch him <clears throat> so he made me a few instruments and things, and he he was also a singer, so he sang in a choir uh as like a baritone he has a beautiful deep voice um and so there was him and then on dad's side my nan who i never met was apparently a deadly dancer and could play anything on a piano too like just self-taught um and uh so how old were you when you started playing was it a guitar or what was the first <clears throat> yeah there was I was always like kind of kid who'd muck around with anything. Like if we went somewhere and there was a piano there, I'd muck around with the piano or my brother had a guitar. So I taught myself some stuff on his guitar. So I never had any lessons. I learnt a few chords um, off off an, a teacher I think I had at school in primary school. Um, so I did some lessons with him. But I never had any pro- proper like musical training, and then from there I just kind of taught myself. What was like um, the first influences music you liked, or? What? Um, I remember like I remember Dad singing albums, you know, like when we do surf trips and that, because he didn't have a he had a shitty car with no radio in it, so he um, he'd sing. I remember him singing like Harvest Neil Young Harvest from like start to finish sort of thing when i was a kid and he could sing the whole he, album yeah that's insane he's got a really nice voice dad yeah he never <laughs> just acapella neil yeah. young's harvest yeah. that was your first influence yeah. amazing yeah. dude i know it's pretty cool <laughs> yeah dad had a real good music taste um and I, all his records were my first introduction to music you know and he, he listened to cool stuff you know like from those from those times you know he liked to listen to like things like Neil Young and Hendrix and Marian Faithful and um you know Deep Purple Leo Kotke um yeah tons of different albums when I was a, as a kid I remember just you know the dad would listen to and then he'd sing stuff like he was probably pretty musical my old man but he never really had a chance to play or do anything yeah but then yeah so and then yeah i I always just wrote my own songs i always just sang songs about what was going on around me and often those are songs about what was going on out out on country because 
I just spend heaps of time with my dog camping, and so by yourself, yeah, and so I'd sing about things, birds, stuff I'd see, you know, whatever yeah. whatever was going on, and they were songs, but I didn't even realize it, you know. Right. And it was the same thing as I do now, exactly the same way as I write songs now, but back. You write them a cappella, kind of. Yeah. But yeah. when I was a kid, I didn't know, I didn't realize they were songs. I just, that was just things I sang to myself. Yeah. That's real interesting. <clears throat> so you apply the chord structure or the sort of yeah, harmony of it after. afterwards. Uh -huh. That's so interesting. Yeah, so the melodies, and often sometimes the lyrics. I'll construct it in my head before I even take it to an instrument. How how accurate can you make it when you put the instrument behind it, or does that change? Pretty close. Because I don't like it to change. Like it's weird if it changes. Well, nine out of ten times it's weird, I reckon. Yeah. Because like, I want to try and keep it how it sounded in my head. Maybe one out of ten times it'll be like, oh, it's actually cooler, you know, if I try these chords or whatever. But, right. But, yeah. Yeah, because I pretty much never do that right you know and i think most people strum around right yeah and then the yeah. melody sort of suggests it suggests itself yeah i noticed that but i'm gonna try this yeah i'm gonna go on a run and try to write some yeah songs. leave your headphones behind i'm gonna leave them behind yeah. this is definitely inspiring me <laughs> on that what happened to your back though like what was that whole um i don't know man i think it's hereditary just some um mom's got a fucked back um uh and then that on top of like some compression injuries i was a pretty reckless kid i fell off things skateboards mm -hmm. and jumped off stuff and like you know so probably had a few compression injuries that okay. i didn't realize there's one i remember i jumped off a cliff in fiji and landed on a rock mm. when i was about 19 and uh i think i really hurt my back then but i didn't realize yeah and then it got me in my 30s kind of thing okay so yeah i had fusion and disc replacement surgery in my lower back they went through my guts and then uh i had the same thing about three months ago through my neck so they went through here they pull, pulled all this aside opened this up and went into my spine and fused and replaced discs in my neck wow is there any limited motion that you have yeah or? yeah but you're not limited i'm to stiffer the... but i'm stronger right so um my lower back helped incredibly he completely fixed me yeah I, di I didn't have i don't have as much range of movement i'm a little bit more stiff but it doesn't matter i don't need it it's way stronger and there's no pain yeah my neck's still healing sort of so that's a bit hard to tell so have you heard of dr joe dispenza yeah i have you yeah. are the placebo and all that stuff. Yeah, I had, I heard. Um, becoming supernatural. I think it was that one, becoming supernatural. Yeah. I started to listen to the audio book. I got, I got a bit over it. Yeah. I, I didn't finish. Why? I don't know. Just didn't do it. I don't know if it was the narrator, or if, uh, it, or, or it was the doctor. I think he narrates it, but maybe not. Okay. Well, maybe. whoever I felt it was a bit. It was a bit um. It was fascinating what they were saying, but it felt like it was a bit sort of self-righteous. Yeah. Like it was a bit, bit much, too, bit, too soon. 
Right. I, I wanted it to be a bit more humble. <laughs> well, I, he comes to mind because his, his whole thing got discovered through a spinal injury. I've heard his story, yeah, and I'm and I'm not disrespecting him and what he's what he did and right. the power of his mind and the whole thing. Yeah, I just found the book a bit, a bit. Yeah, I just just I just lost interest. Yeah, but what he did fascinates me. Yeah, me too. And um, I've been focusing on, like I talked to my osteo about it after the surgery, and I've definitely been thinking about where my spine needs to sit and trying to meditate on that a bit. Right. Not yeah. to the point where I can do how many hours, whatever hours Healing. a day he yeah. did to do that. But that's yeah. fascinating. But I totally believe all that. I, I, I totally believe that the mind is is powerful enough to do it. Yeah. For sure. I just, I just, <laughs> I'm just a bit ADD. I don't think I can, yeah. you know, I'm not, I'm not much good at meditating gently. No, well, I'm like, not that great yeah. at it myself. <laughs> I want to be good at it. Yeah. I've had periods where I've been good at uh, it. But it's been periods where everything else in life went away and I was in isolation. I, like when you describe camping with your dog, I just think like, oh man, like that is like the s- seeds of genius that kids nowadays can't get to because they're, they're constantly having a huge wow. entertainment source that basically totally, subverts man. them from be, becoming inspired because you have to empty it out and kind of go through boredom you yeah, know, to totally. start singing songs to the stars and then all of a sudden you have all these new ways yeah. to entertain yourself until mm. like you invent that it comes through yep emptiness and like absolutely dullness like and if you never give yourself that gift which is really hard to do if you constantly have a source of Mm. distraction around you yeah i i find the whole phone thing quite trippy um personally i don't like it at all it's very trippy yeah and it's gonna get trippier because how old are you 40 almost 48 okay so how old are you i'm 41 so would have been same for you like i mean when yeah, i was I a kid without that shit yeah we didn't even have an answering machine right we had a telephone yeah and if someone wanted to call someone yeah we didn't even have call waiting yeah until we got it what's that well it's like when you can another call can come through the other call you see that's saying that's fancy yeah. man yeah that's <laughs> fancy shit <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i mean i remember like if you wanted to call someone you call the house their mum answers or whatever. Mm-hmm. Oh no, they're not here. Yeah. Okay. See ya. Yeah. And then, if mum happens to tell the dude that you called, then he might call you back, mm-hmm. or you might see him at school. Like yeah. it just, you know. Well, what you, I mean? you used to have to wait around for somebody to call you, or, yeah, else, exactly. or else you couldn't get in touch. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was kind of cool. But, I mean, it's going to get trippier. I mean, they're making, you know, all the Bluetooth headphones. I mean, and I have them, you know. Obviously, I said that. But, like, uh, the wearables, the watch, this, that. They're getting us prepared. They're indoctrinating us for the chip. Uh, Pretty soon, it's going to go inside of people, you know. Yeah, sure. It's happening. Is there talk of it? Oh, yeah. It's already happening. Elon Musk has, like, some company he's working with. And there's a chip, and it's, like they're getting ready to do it you know Mach 1 that's crazy man yeah yeah like my 
I don't know. The whole phone, like, I find the whole phone thing kind of stressful, you know, how people... Because people text me and then if I'm home, I don't use it. Right. So then I'll see someone and they'll go, did you get my text? Yeah. I'll be like, nah. (laughs) And then they think you're bullshitting (laughs) because you got your phone there. Right. And I just didn't get it. Yeah, and be, you know what I mean. It creates this kind of weird. Yeah, uh, and be like, oh. are you on social media? Yeah, I have an Instagram. Yeah, which I took over from my management. I, I originally didn't, wasn't doing it, but then right. they suggested I should take it over, so I did, and that was like a year or two ago. Um, which is cool. But, yeah. you know, I don't mind doing that. Um, I don't do. I don't. I, I've never been on Facebook. I have a Facebook, but I've never. I don't. I've never even <clears throat> used it. I don't. I've never even seen Facebook. Right. Um, and that's about it. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah, it's definitely robbing us of a connection to the spirit. I think in some yeah. ways. Yeah. It's weird. I mean, yeah. Sounds. I mean, I don't really use it. So, you know, I, I still have my time where I'm just not connected to that world. But some people are connected to it all the time, mm-hmm. you know, constantly. It's addictive. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I, I get addicted to it. Yeah. I'm not like, I, I need to get away from it more than I am, I feel like. Yeah, it's interesting, eh? Because everyone notice like, Wherever you go in the street, everyone's doing that. Yeah. And so it's TV. Right. Essentially, right? It's a, it's just like watching a screen. It's like television. So. Yeah, but you're the like, star of your own show. Yeah. And know? so everyone's watching way more TV than they used to. And then people used to say how people watch too much TV. Mm-hmm. Well, now that's like. Yeah. Threefold. It's off the deep end. It's off the deep end. You watch it whenever you... Yeah. You watch it while you're driving. (laughs) You see people driving doing that. Yeah. You see people at street lights. It's like, fuck, man. Yeah. It's crazy. Put that thing down. (laughs) So you've been on tour for about, what, three months now? Yeah. Yeah. What's the album you're supporting? Uh, The the record... Last record I made was called Storm Boy. Um, And that came out last year. So... Yep, yep. Yeah. Ninth album. Ninth studio album, yeah. There's a couple of live ones. And yeah, been at it a while now. How many years? I think it's next year. Um, I'll be... I think next year will be like 20 years since I first played music over, outside of Australia. Right. So like I'd say 20 years on tour next year and are you on the road all the time nah um but a lot like I reckon three to six months a year I probably play music right yeah that seems reasonable yeah Yeah. I mean I still have good chunks of time at home but yeah I usually come out in our winter which is now and then do the northern hemisphere which quite often is Europe. I do more in Europe than anywhere now. And then come here sometimes in Canada and, um, you know, do do these parts. Um, 
while it's cold at home sort of thing I like the spirit bird is that the one what is it called spirit bird that album yeah yeah, yeah thank you is that and you said you wrote that on the beach or something like that or you wrote or oh channel, the song the you song, mean oh channel, yeah the song channeled through you and you wrote song. it in the sand yeah the song was heavy uh I was in um the Kimberley, which is a uh, it's in northwest Australia, um, and it's uh, one of the last great wildernesses on the planet. It's it's there's no recorded extinctions. It's right out as far as as remote as you can pretty much get in Australia, um, and yeah, I wrote that song when I was out there, um, and. Do you want to know the story? Yeah. So yeah, I was, I'd been at this rock art site. So there's a lot of like really old rock art sites in the Kimberley, which is um, cave art. But um, in some cases, there's caves with like four cultures of art. You know, like so not like Motley Crue rock art. This is no, 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 no. It's a huge (laughs) actual rock art. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Or cultures yeah. one on top of the other? Yeah. So, you know, a lot ancient. So the Wanjana mob, which is the Aboriginal people of that area today, there's art that predates them and they don't know who that was. In their in their story, uh, they call it Goingoin art and it's people that existed before them. Um, they say they were agricultural whereas our mob were like hunters and gatherers um and they were peaceful and we killed them is is the story that the elders say like that's been passed down Mm -hmm. over the last say i don't know twenty thousand years and um i'm pretty fascinated by that art i've gone to see a fair bit of it what is it like um it's beautiful it's like it's rocks formed or like painted yeah, on or yeah um uh there's a picture in one of my album covers of it um it's it's so they used um most traditional mob use ochre which is like um like a clay mm-hmm. mixed with water to paint and it stays on the rock a long long time they expect the crew that they used a mixture of ochre um a berry um for colors yeah and water and blood um and it made this sort of like black ink that they used and it pretty much formed on the rock over time so like fossilized yeah or something yeah sort of like the rocks like glaze it's like it's almost like a glaze over the top of it like there's no way you could rub it off sort of thing Oh really? Yeah, and that's so, crazy that they figured out a way to like have yeah. something that would persevere through all the seasons. And yeah, everything. and the and the art that's on top of it that's like thousands of years old is faded, whereas this art that's like sixty thousand years old is uh, still there. Anyway, it's really elegant. A lot of like dance kind of poses, like big long headdresses. In some instances, coat cloaks. Um, like long cloaks which mm-hmm. up in that area people were naked they didn't need cloaks it was pretty warm so maybe different time you know different season end of an ice age i don't know um 
boomerangs, but so that was sort of like same as you know the ones in a mob, but um, spears. Um, in some cases, there was like there's a rock, there's a painting that has reindeer. They call it reindeer rock, and it's they seem to be like deer with horns, which Australia doesn't have. Um, so there's all this like mysterious stuff. Like the, the, in some of the paintings, it looks like do- domesticated um, thylacine, which is like the Tasmanian tiger. Um, but we're talking like the last Tasmanian tiger was down in Tassie, and this is like up in the northwest, like um, so other other end evidence of a simulation. Yeah. So you know these people were fascinating, and. Um, and over time, no, no one knows really anything about them, like who they were. They were ocean-going people. They like had big on their paintings. There'd be like vessels with big prowls on the front and back for for navigating the ocean. Whereas mm. um, most of the Aboriginal people around there were just using like dugout canoes and rafts and stuff to take the tides and just fish. So, so they yeah, were advanced. I guess. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I'd been out on country looking at a bunch of different. Uh, art and there's red-tailed black cockatoos that were with me on that trip so um in our culture they're the old people and we had a, a mob of these red-tailed black cockatoos um that were sort of following us around of those birds yeah 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 and uh and i remember i was coming back along a track um and I stopped to take a piss. I got out of the car and I looked up and there was this dead tree that I hadn't noticed and in it were these red-tailed black cockatoos and they're quite um flighty birds. I don't you, you can't get close to them usually. And um and <clears throat> they're the ancestors. So this tree was right there and then there was these birds and, that, and then this one female bird just stared at me and this is the best I can do to explain it so she looked at my eyes I looked back at her and then all of a sudden I felt like I was sinking, sinking into the ground and all these thoughts started flashing through my, my head like um and it was like faces places stuff like memories like a flood running through my brain but it wasn't mine it was the birds don't know and then that lasted for probably maybe 30 seconds and then that was it and i was like that was kind of hectic and then they flew off and i got back in the car and kept driving and then that night, <clears throat> I got to the coast and I wrote the first, I was on a sacred women's beach, so the sun was coming down. I had a to sacred le- woman's beach? Yeah, I had to leave the beach before sundown because it was a ceremony place for women. Oh, okay. So, on that beach, I wrote the first bit of Spirit Bird, the song in the sand um and it just poured out of me it was and then 
my mate took a photo of it and they were the lyrics for the start of the song and then so that was that and then I had um, this melody in this song that I was singing and then about a year later so I didn't finish it but about a year later I was in Canada and I was recording the Spirit Bird album and the song wasn't even part of it and I was sitting by a fire outside because I recorded on a lake and there was um, the police had started to move in on that area so there was a big mining dispute up there where I was where was it? up in the Kimberley up at James Price Point so what, what part of Canada is it? where I was yeah um, so I was up in um Outside of Thornbury, which is like outside of Toronto somewhere, up in the lake area. So I was over there and I was involved in this protest back home against this mining operation that was happening in the Kimberley. Anyway, it was about 10 o'clock at night in Canada and I was sitting by the fire and I just wrote the whole back half of the song. I just sang the whole back half pretty much. I remember I was in tears at the end of it. It was heavy. And then... That's that was the day, the night that I joined the two halves together, mm-hmm. and that thing that I'd written in the Kimberley became the front of this whole other thing, and then that was the song. Um, anyway, the next morning I woke up and I got a message that the police had moved in on that country and they'd started to drag some of the elders, like the or the, the old women and people that were trying to protect their homelands, off, and they'd moved in with bulldozers to start work on this mining operation. And it was right at the exact time that I'd written the back half of that song mm. in Canada. It was like 12 midday back in Western Australia. So um, I feel like that song Spirit Bird came from that country and it started with a red-tailed black cockatoo, Spirit Bird. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. And um, that was one where it definitely didn't come from me. Right. You know that song. Where do you think you get this gift of channeling from? I don't know. No idea. Is there any kind of like shaman in your family or anything like that? I don't know. Like I don't know who... I don't know much about my family beyond what I told you before. Uh I don't know who was who. Um, But yeah. Is it something that's always been with you since you were a kid? Yeah. I can see things pretty clear. Um, at times I can read I think I understand um, not saying that I, I don't have my own challenges but I, I feel like like I went to Peru and I got a reading on on the whole um, ego you know standing outside your ego mm-hmm. um, that people learn through doing ceremonies in Peru and stuff did you do any ceremony? Yeah. yeah. I went, Ayahuasca? Uh, yeah. Well, it was part of it. Okay. The, the, the mixture that this old shaman made for me was like 11 different plants, I think, from the jungle. Ayahuasca mm. and Ayuma, which are the two that make you trip, they were just part of it. Mm. Um, but the medicine was like eight different plants or 11, I can't remember. So he went and, after I told him my story, he went and collected all that stuff but you know 
that I found that really powerful and fascinating, um, those ceremonies. But um, I'm not confused. I've never been confused by that stuff anyway. Like, I don't know how to explain it to you. Um, I think I've had a pretty good read on my ego naturally. I don't know what that means. Like, I haven't been confused by it. I've always been fairly clear. And when I say ego, I mean my whole emotional mm-hmm. self. The thing that might prevent you from yeah, channeling. That might, yeah, make you a bit, yeah, that might make you a bit more confused. Yeah. Or a bit, you know, not sure about what you're doing. Yeah. Like, for example, I've always understood, ever since I was little, that my music is beyond me and that if I try if I involve my ego too much in it or I make decisions based on what I think people are going to want to hear or make it about you know the image of the whole thing mm-hmm. it's almost like spirit will give me a backhander mm-hmm. you know like pull your head in it's bigger than you and I always had that understanding ever since I was little and when I started playing professionally and all the rest I always maintained that and it was never something that I sort of like just discovered and went oh hang on you know what I mean yeah have you had people <clears throat> from the outside try to subvert you like people in the music business this that or the other that made it more confusing or or oh, yeah, and, I had... and or early success that made you go oh let's repeat this like because that can yeah. that can get confusing then nah because no. the, the most popular song I ever had was follow the sun it's called Uh and um that was like a homecoming song that i I recorded (laughs) i remember because it was like number one in holland at one point and you know i i I was never an artist that had any, any like number one singles or anything so all of a sudden, my song that I made five years before mm-hmm. had, had had this success in Holland. And my manager was sending me screenshots of the charts. And it was like things like Adele, Justin Bieber, me. <laughs> and it was like climbing up these charts and it ended mm-hmm. up on top. And all these songs that were underneath were like these big production. And I remember when I made it, I did two takes of it. And I was, I'd just come home and I'd written it and I went in with a mate in a studio in Byron Bay and I was late to pick up my kid from school because the surf was good. And I'd been going, and I'd been going through a divorce at the time. Mm. So I couldn't, it wouldn't, didn't look good for me to be late to the school pickup. So I remember yeah. I went in there, harmonica, guitar, stomp box, did two versions of the song and I had to go to get him from school and Geordie was like oh why don't you just do a couple more I was like I can't man just pick one out of those two or glue them together if you have to like I gotta go so that was that song and then so it probably cost I don't know 500 bucks to make it Mm -hmm. anyway that's why I laughed like years later when I saw it on the you know I've had so much success from that song people love that song it's been used for lots of different things and you know, it's it's done really well for me, but um, you know, it was just a, a song that I wasn't even going to put on on the record. It ended up being on Spirit Bird, but it was my new manager that I started with at the time that I released that record. He said, "Oh, you should put that song on it." 
I remember because I played it to him. I was like, oh, this is just this other song. But it's just like a homecoming song. I was stoked to get home from that trip I was telling you about when I was in Canada. Mm-hmm. And I wrote that and he was like, oh, I think you should put it on the record. How did success come with that? Did it get on an ad or something? <clears throat> um, or? I don't know. It just ended up going gangbusters in Europe. Um, just out of the blue or something? Yeah. Nothing happened? I'm just trying to think. Got heaps of radio play, particularly in Holland. Got remixed in Italy. Four on the floor. Oh. Yeah. Well, it's four <laughs> on the floor anyway because I stomped my foot in oh, it. Oh, I see. But yeah, you know, got got a few... Um, the remix was kind of it was kind of cool actually. I didn't mind the remix, just sort of like you know a bit more Euro. Mm-hmm. Uh, they just the guy added some synths and I don't think he oh he might have added a beat, but it was similar to what I already had there. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I can't remember why. I can't remember how how that all happened. But like five years after I made it, it, it became thing so yeah to get back to what you're saying yeah I've, i mean i've had people suggest things and i've definitely met industry people and stuff along the way but i've never really had too much influence from from that world like because i've always, I always was pretty independent and it was only really uh through what i was doing on my own that companies ever really got interested in wanting to distribute it and shit because you know i don't think i ever was really like a marketable artist to a record company i was kind of like this kooky dude who was playing digits and weird instruments on stage like it just didn't i don't think it really fit anyone's mold right so i never really got i never had any like I never had any like big offers from any big record companies no no pressure that subverted you or anything like that no, no, I never really. I always just did my own thing. You seem to seem like you seem to feel like music is like a healing art. I feel like just yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um, it's important, you know. Yeah. I sometimes I, ha- I, I I you know sometimes the personal side of me doesn't want to be where I am. I, you know, it's, I struggle sometimes in America. I'm not a huge fan of America. Um, certain places. Well, no, are, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, like, and I don't mean that in in any 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 way against America. I feel sadness in America. Like, mm-hmm. I think American people are lovely um, and kind and helpful and all the rest. Particularly in certain areas, like this is a great place and there's some great places in America. But I feel really sorry for American people because I feel like there's all this pressure. Mm-hmm. you know and it comes from this massive weight that no one can really carry right but everyone wants to try <laughs> try try yeah. you know and it's kind of sad it you is. know it's like yeah. it's hard it's hard i think it's hard work for people so i feel kind of it makes me a bit sad you know i feel like you f- and you can feel the weight of that um but in in saying that there's places that i go that i particularly maybe aren't connected to and, and where i kind of want to go home but those are the places where i really notice the shows are really important you know people need it yeah they need the music yeah and that's where i understand that what i do is bigger than my choices it's it's my path um i've been given that path 
I've been given that opportunity to do that. And um, there's a lot of great musicians in the world mm-hmm. um, everywhere that don't have the opportunity to do what I'm doing. Um, and I respect them. And I also respect the spirit of what I do and the messages that come along with what I do that don't, that indirectly come through me. Um, but that come from uh, whoever walked before me in my homeland, you know. And I feel proud that I can share um, the story of my homeland around the world. Yeah. Because Australia um, has a lot of problems of its own. And it, it's it's... It's still even now a very racist place. Um, There's a lot of history that's been swept under the carpet. There's a lot of pain still back home. There's a lot of wounds that haven't been healed. Our government hasn't made any effort to heal them. Um, And so I feel like some of the baggage that I carry comes from that time. And it's it's nice to give it some light, you know, around the world. Yeah. Um, and I feel proud to do that. That's cool. Mm. Yeah. And so you don't always like being on the road though. You say sometimes you wish you were, no, you could let it go. (laughs) Oh yeah. I mean, I don't think I'll always do this, but yeah, I got a pretty good life back home, man. What do you do? Surf? (laughs) Yeah. I live in a magical spot. Really? I surf. I got, beautiful dogs beautiful wife beautiful kids yeah. i got um you know i live in a really beautiful part of the world i'm really connected to it when i leave there part of it doesn't part of me doesn't come so i'm only ever traveling at 90 percent of myself maybe maybe 80 right. so you know um did you always feel like that or particularly yeah. more now no always yeah people always ask me if there's anywhere i'd want to live uh, outside of Australia after everywhere I've been there's not anywhere I'm really connected to my homeland um, so yeah I mean yeah I like playing music but um, but yeah I'm not always you know I'm not I'm not, I'm not a big city person so uh that perspective probably keeps you pretty sane and healthy though i would think yeah because it it's it's if you like if you're fully all in and you sort of take it all too seriously i think it kind of can sweep you under easier than if you have that anchor of like okay i you know this is my real life now i'm out here doing this thing to serve others yeah plus you have this like purpose-driven motivation behind it which is powerful yeah and and it's you know and it pays the bills yeah of course you know so it's yeah. like it's 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 definitely like i respect the fact that you know i've worked a shit ton of jobs in my life too like as a kid and stuff you know i was always working different jobs and you know like like i know what it's like to earn crappy money doing a crappy job so i've never uh taken that for granted mm. you know i get paid well to play music and i res- i you know I'm stoked about that too, but <clears throat> is it, um, 
do I love being in cities? No, I don't like it at all. I, I prefer to be, you know, back Back home. home. Do you play when you're home? Yeah, yeah, I do. But I, if I've been on the road doing what I'm doing like now, I probably won't play for... Depends if I'm writing stuff. Depends if... I, but yeah. yeah, I'm happy to leave. How many kids? Uh, i got three kids. Yeah, do, you, do they... Are you teaching them music or do they... Are no, they musical? Um, they're musical, but I never taught them anything. I just like have stuff around and they can use it the way they want sort of vibe. Um, you know, if they ask me, I'll t- tell them my opinion on how to play something, but I don't know. If I, the, the way I play things is probably not technically that correct anyway, so uh, I just let them do it their way. And how many instruments do you play? You play a shitload, don't you? Uh, yeah, I'm, yeah I, I use a lot of stuff, but I feel like I don't play many instruments, but I, I guess I do. I don't know. I don't know how many, but I use I, I just muck around on, on stuff. I don't, probably don't play any well. I just make noises on heap on heaps. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. I have my own style. That's cool. You got any questions? Um, I do have one. I'm just curious, and we have to wrap it up because we know you have to go. Is are there your tattoos are beautiful? Oh, thanks, it's man. It's obviously some Jeez. Aboriginal art on yeah. there. Yeah. Does any of them have any special meanings? Yeah, they all do. They actually. all do. <laughs> yeah. They, um, they all do. Um, like I don't know where to begin, but you know, that's my grandmother mm-hmm. that I talk about. These dots represent footsteps, you know. Um, this is where I grew up. That's the totem of... Um, eagle? Yeah, it's a wedge-tailed eagle. It's called... It's Bunjil is the language name of it, but it's, that's the totem of the land where I grew up. Um, these are huge, these birds. They're big, big brown eagles. Um, yeah, but everything has... Everything has... And the birds... Birds, this is a kookaburra. Um, he's a big fat kookaburra. He, he's, uh, I feel like he's always been with me. Always, like he's the main, he's the main bird that I acknowledge when I go home, you know. I don't know if you've ever heard of kookaburra. No, can I, I see that one? I can't see. Oh, okay. Why is he the main man? My wife always laughs when I got this tattoo because I came home and she was like, he's pretty fat, Kookaburra. <laughs> and I was like, he's only going to get fatter. Um, oh, he goes... Uh, oh, well, she fat shamed your cockleberry? Oh, uh, yeah, it was pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, it was, it, you had to be there maybe, but yeah, it was just funny. <laughs> I remember laughing. But um, was that, what was I talking about? That that was your main, main. Oh yeah, so like ever since I was a kid, like yeah, they're just probably the bird that I'm most connected to. Mm-hmm. They're always there, uh, and they got this crazy call. They kind of go. Like that. Wow. Yeah. Do you do that uh, live? That's great. <laughs> you should put that in the show. Dude. I've been known to. Yeah. <laughs> um. All right, I'll do it tonight. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, they're just cool. They're, they're real stealthy hunters too. they got this big beak and then they just, you see them, they'll be sitting up in the tree and they'll just go, and they'll just like, 
swan dive towards the ground and go whack into the into the straight head first into the into the ground wow and pull out anything with this big beak it's just like a big drill it's cool um yeah when you say you're connected to that bird or to to other birds what do you mean by that because a lot of people hearing that will not understand will not be able to understand what a connection to a bird is like I don't know. It's maybe, hard to maybe, maybe like, probably, maybe, um, um, I don't know how to explain it. Maybe like, like you were saying, you know, when you're a kid and you are you bored or you're lonely. I don't know what you are, but you're out there and they're your mates. Yeah. You know. Yeah. They're familiar. Right, and they're they're there at sundown, and they're there in the morning, and if you camp in, in the dark, and you're little, and it's like pitch black, and you can hear kangaroos and that shuffling around, and the kookaburras are there. They're kind of you know. And they're talking. They got to your you. back. <laughs> yeah. So I think. I understand um, that. Maybe it's that. Maybe it's, you know, every time I go home and I hear that sound. I'm I'm home, you know. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm back home. Yeah. So I feel like yeah, I'm in a way I'm talk we're talking to each other. Right. Um. And there's a line in one of my latest songs on on the Storm Boy record. It's actually called Storm Boy, and I say Kookaburra calls just like he knows, and I call right back. Yes, I'm home. He's been with me. He's watched me grow through those rainy days and those rocky roads. Right. Like connected to him yeah connected to nature too and like i remember like the white cockatoos uh-huh. <laughs> they were like my mom so like they're like Wah! so sound and i remember like whenever i'd go out and i'd be out camping or whatever and they'd be carrying on i'd be like oh mom like cool it because mm-hmm. <laughs> she'd be like that too and do you ever have a situation where like you might be thinking a certain thought or like a certain direction to go in and then you hear the cockle barrel or something like that that oh, like yeah. is kind of like yeah for sure you gotta speaking to you saying like yes that's a good thought or like or if it's a rah, it's like no don't do that maybe or it's like that kind of communication maybe not so much thoughts but navigating country like getting around for sure you always got to watch what the animals are doing in Australia. How so? Well, like, you know, um, you know, the easiest way to find water is to watch the birds, Uh you know, that kind of thing, like where they're going. Um, Follow them and then you'll find water. Yeah. Or you'll see them congregating above water, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, yeah, things like that, like, you know, yeah, I'm always aware when I'm back home of what other things are doing, um, naturally, but, uh, who taught you that? I think it's always been in me, dad a little bit. But yeah, different elders, different different people, just being out in 
just watching mostly watching paying attention country but sometimes watching humans on country mm-hmm. and noticing what they what um what they do so what's next after this um we go to canada tomorrow tonight yeah uh and three then more shows and then you're done is that right yeah yeah yeah. Can't know. Congratulations. You look Thanks, happy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Pretty cool. Yeah. This is a real cool place, so I really like Oh, this is a great venue. Brooklyn. Oh yeah. This, this town. This neighborhood too. Yeah. yeah, I was actually just thinking this morning because usually, you know, I find the city there's like some I can see where c- c- certain cities are cooler than others, you know, yeah. like Port Portland, Oregon and Well this one's you know, super cool. This man. place is the best place. Well, dude, there's so much emotion on the street. This place is incredible. It's yeah. really great too. It's awesome. Yeah. yeah, I think it's yeah. yeah, it's 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 definitely the the coolest place that I've been to in America. Mm-hmm. I love the yeah, like you were saying, you can feel the emotion in the, in the in the you know. I guess lots of, lots of stuff's happened here, and there's you know so many different cultures and cool stuff going on in the streets. It's, yeah, it's yeah. I don't know. It's hard to explain, but there's a vibe here that's cool. Um. So yeah, this place is cool. But yeah, we go up to Canada and then we got yeah, three more shows, mostly Quebec, I think. Mm-hmm. And then uh home. And then what? Are you working on another album? Yeah, or? I got I, I am actually. I'm, I don't know if I'm working on albums anymore. Right. I'm working on songs. Yeah. Do we still make albums? I don't even know, man. I don't know. I'm not sure, dude. I'm wondering I'm now. I'm about to put one out, but who knows? Yeah. I, I'm more like that. It's almost like an excuse to facilitate a bunch of new yeah. a n- new stuff. Like, I, I'm making live clips with him, and yeah. I'm excited. I'm always excited about what I'm doing in the moment. So by the time an album comes out, I'm, I'm like, ugh. Yeah. Like, I... I want you to hear what I'm doing now, you know, and I've always had that. Yeah, well, I'm wondering, same, but I'm wondering now, like, you know, with Spotify and everything, which is how everyone listens to music, then I'm thinking, well, actually, maybe it's just easier to just make a song and put out a song, and then you don't have to worry about the rest of the record, (laughs) you know? It's true. And just make songs. So I don't know whether I'm going to do that or whether I'm going to make an album, I don't know. Yeah, are you on a label? You do your own. Are you um, I Warner uh, distributes my stuff in Australia and New Zealand, mm-hmm. and here it's Network. But I own my own music. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I'm doing my own right now. Cool. This new one. Nice. Yeah, I just want to build up my own thing so I can just like not worry about yeah swapping and changing yeah. and just like from here go yeah. independent fully. Well, it's sort of like, it's the way to go really these days, eh? I think so. Yeah. Yeah, you can find distribution, you can get a publicist, mm. you know. I mean, yeah. if, you have man- if you have a manager and a partner and something, to- somebody to help you, and you know, yeah, and a booking agent, it's like, what else is there? Yeah, true. And yeah. if you cut out the label too, you know the impetus is on you to make this happen. And there's no... A lot of times with labels nowadays, it's like then you think they're going to do something and they don't really do anything. And then so sort of it make you end up doing less. Yeah. 
because you're waiting for something and then they're also waiting for something and then you're just like caught in a room staring at each other both totally. of you are waiting for something and then you never really know who the actual individuals are that are actually working on it yeah so you know what i mean yeah i always find that kind of weird how you might meet the label guy that seems cool or whatever but who's actually doing the work right and are they cool too or are they do yeah. they not get it well they're affected too like i mean because my manager talks about it like and he used to work at labels before he was a manager and he just like was we talk about it and it's like back in the like in the 90s like labels took real pride yeah. in hard work and in doing stuff and and since like the sort of death of the music industry as to what it was you know they're uh you know their motivation is a little bit thwarted now too because of all the rumors of oh it doesn't matter you know they're they're yeah. under, they're living in the same world too yeah. and it's just it's so weird to everybody they don't know what's it's going weird, on it's weird eh yeah it's a weird time cuz i like definitely had a record a i definitely had a record that came out and did well before the digital thing mm -hmm. and i got got my checks and all that and, right. and saw that side of yeah of the whole thing and then and then the digital phenomenon came in and i've been still out there doing it ever since yeah and it's been fascinating to kind of watch the whole industry change yeah from the big tycoon record companies to yeah my to first all these independent things that are happening now it's kind of cool yeah. you know like how people can put anyone can put music out and and do it whereas back in the day no one could it's true yeah, yeah you can do it all now it's like yeah yeah my first album came out in 97 on yeah. peter gabriel's label right you know and so and then that went through virgin and so i got to make a yeah. you know a big la record with t-bone burnett producing right. and so, so i saw that side he's of, wicked that guy he yeah. is wicked yeah. how was that I, it was incredible yeah yeah so i saw that side of the music industry yeah. too and uh and then yeah and i've been doing it ever since as well going, yeah. surviving through the transitions been, yeah it kind of was a shit show there for a while oh, man. <laughs> it yeah. seems to be getting better now yeah, it does seem to be getting better <laughs> which is good i was lucky though because i was always a live artist so i made my yeah. money playing live right you know record sales were a bonus yeah and if, if it was a good bonus great but you know it was it was always like live 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 yeah so but I did see a lot of people suffer that weren't so much focused on live, you know, that were, yeah. were doing, you know, because it, it was a big kick in the dick for people like that, you know. Definitely. <laughs> kick in the dick. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, about going back to your live stuff and cell phones and everything you described earlier, I had a thought. Um, as an artist on stage, I know as a fan watching with what's going on with cell phones today and the see that the, the audience sees the screen, you as a performer, over the years with what's happening with cell phones, does it prevent you from connecting with the crowd? Does it bother you? Do no. you try to do anything about it? or don't notice it. Nothing. I mean, I notice people on phones, but I don't. it doesn't bother me. But I don't see a lot of phones in my shows. Like people have them, but... People are more dancing, I think, at my shows. They're, they're not really um, filming so much. <laughs> we watched Toots the other night at a festival, Toots Hibbert. 
you know, Toots and the Maytals. Mm-hmm. He's 76 now. He's amazing. He's still killing it. Right. Um, but he, <laughs> there was one song where it was, he said, um, I think he was saying, everybody get out your cellular. And no one had any idea what he was saying. <laughs> he was trying to get everyone to like turn the, 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 tor- lighter, the yeah. torch light on and, and, and get this happening. But he kept calling them cellulars. Yeah, and it was funny because no one. No one knew it's like slowly as people worked it out, and you see people slowly working it out. I just loved, yeah, just it was just a cool moment for me watching the old man, sort of like embrace embracing modern. the modern day. But yeah. you know, he he comes from such an old era. I mean, you know, he was like Bob Marley's idol sort of thing. He's still going, the old man. That's wild. Yeah, he's a legend. What festival was that? It was called Whale Rock Festival in California. It was it was a cool festival. Small festival out in the in the in the bush somewhere. It was cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Tonight Williamsburg Music Hall. Yeah. That's hot. Brooklyn. Yeah. You ever played here before? Apparently I have. But yeah. I, don't, you know. I don't remember it at all, man. Right. It must have been in that blurry blurry opiate days. Opiate days, yeah. <laughs> Because, yeah, the the thing about those drugs was it was about six months to a year I was on those things. And it feels like the whole world is on those things these days. Yeah. You know, um, i got some friends, you know, I've got a, a close friend who was a good friend of Andy Irons. And, um, you know, we were talking about, you know, his whole journey as well but recently. But those opiates are um, brutal, man. They're gnarly. Like, I, I don't remember anything clearly from that time. It's yeah. just a blur. Yeah. So it's like cancelling people's lives out until yeah. they die. Absolutely. They're, they're, they're gnarly, those things. They are gnarly. Yeah. Yeah. And then that coupled with everybody's on speed. Yeah. You know, yeah. And a lot of people are. Yeah. I'm not, but... A lot of people on speed here? Yeah. I mean what do you call it Adderall yeah right you know ADD oh okay which is just like who doesn't have ADD now yeah like if you didn't it got induced in you yeah you know (laughs) yeah so yeah and that one's that one's demonic as well interesting hey yeah pharmaceutical world during that year did you write any songs or there was absolutely nothing uh I'd written I'd written the be- a beast of a record and I was touring it and no, nah, I didn't write anything. I don't think I wrote anything. Pretty sure I didn't. I was I was a bit of a zombie. What about microdosing? You ever do that? Mushrooms or anything like that? Yeah, that's helpful. I find. Yeah, I'm a, yeah. Not a very good microdoser though. Right, so I always want you know, a little bit more. <laughs> I'm, a bit, I'm a bit of a guts with stuff like that. Yeah, because like, I like go hard or don't go at all. Yeah. So I, um, yeah, tend to. But yeah, I do. I do enjoy, enjoy uh, mushies here and there and LSD. But yeah, nothing. Got any on you? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> we ate them. You ate them all? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we ate them the other day. Get rid of them before yeah, you cross the border. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Canada can be rough. <laughs> well, cool, man. Thanks for doing yeah. it. Thanks, bro. Thanks. Yeah, really nice to meet you. Yeah. Nice to meet yeah, you, too. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. Nice to meet you, too. Me too. You got to, is that, 
Your accent, like a full New York accent? Mm, yes and no. I kind of. I grew up in Israel. So okay. My it, dad's from Boston. So Right. Okay, it's, maybe it's Boston. But it's hearing. 20 years living in New York City. Yeah, yeah he's got a New York On vibe. top of Boston, maybe. On top of... Yeah, because it's cool. Like, because, yeah, I always try and pick people's accents. Oh. Coming from Australia, we get all these American movies. Mm-hmm. And, like, I always try and pick which accents are from where. Oh. And as I've traveled around America, like, I can, you can pick the different accents. Part. I like them. Yeah, it's cool. My dad has a Boston accent, yeah. which I don't pick up on. I like that. I like that one, the Boston one. And I like the southern ones, the real, like, yeah. slow ones. Those are cool. <laughs> They're yeah. the best. Yeah. Southern accent. Yeah, those real slow draw you draw, is that what you Yo. call it? Yeah, all yeah. those guys. <laughs> <laughs> Classic man. Those guys. Yeah. They're awesome. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Well, have a great show. Thank you. Thanks, bro. Nice to nice to chat to you. Hi, this is Joseph Arthur. Thanks for checking out Come to Where I'm From. Please support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash come to where I'm from. We are an independent podcast and any contributions you can make are greatly appreciated.